All right. Three, two, one. Oh, my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today's Monday something. Uh, it's the You listen to the last episode all about the XFL. Guess what? It's about an hour later. It's 10 o'clock. It's 10.13 a.m. Got to leave at noon for my plane. Uh, will I make it? Will I not? I have no idea. I think I will. I only have one more podcast to record after this. That's not insane. I think it can happen. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, my God. Um, I, I do have to tell you, though, before we start the show, Strong Opinion Sports is not just a YouTube channel. I get called often people like, Zach, you're a great YouTuber. You're a YouTuber. You're a YouTuber. I guess I make videos on YouTube. I'm also a podcaster. Strong Opinion Sports is also a podcast. So if you listen to podcasts, if you like podcasts, I love them. They're my favorite medium. Please go subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Stitcher is one. There's a whole bunch of, you know, there's there's so many because I use a, a feed that just sends it out to everything. There are so many podcast services. I had no idea. Strong Opinion Sports is everywhere. So please, if you like Strong Opinion Sports and if you like podcasts, Go subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on your favorite podcast service. All right. um, I want to start today with this. I believe Tom Brady is leaving the New England Patriots. He is planning to enter free agency and uh, listen to offers from other teams. To me, that says it all. If Tom Brady was staying in New England, wouldn't we have heard by now he's planning to stay? Wouldn't we know? If he was planning to stay with the Patriots, why would he even be testing free agency? He knows what he's getting in New England. He's looking around, which means, hey, he's probably over what he already has. So when Tom Brady leaves Boston, when, not if, but when Tom Brady leaves Boston, Boston will be furious. In fact, I'll be there at the end of March. (laughs) Boston's going to be angry. And I'm going to talk to people there. They're going to be saying, I hate Tom Brady. He left us alone. And you know why this is going to happen? The reason why people in Boston, New England Patriots fans, the reason why they're going to hate Tom Brady is because it's human nature. It's okay. It's all right. The reality is that it's easier to be angry than it is to grieve, to deal with the sadness, to confront that. Now, there's a, 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 I think it's M. Scott Peck who says that It's actually the strongest of us that go to counseling because it takes strength to face your your deepest, darkest, you know, problems and stuff. Nobody in Boston wants to do that. It's easier to just be like, screw Tom Brady, he's awful. We're better without him. We don't need him. I I think the mature response of a New England Patriots fan would be to say, Hey, Tom, man, thank you for the memories. It was a great run. Six Super Bowls, what a fun ride that was. You'll be missed. But the reality is, man, they're going to be furious. They're going to be angry. Screw him. We don't need him anyway. Smart pack. (laughs) Man, Boston's going to be furious about uh, Tom Brady leaving. And I I understand it. I think it's sad. But I I want everybody out there to be prepared that when Tom Brady leaves Boston, it's going to happen. It will happen. Bostontonians are going to be mad. And I encourage you to take a deep breath, have a mature response, and go, you know what? Tom Brady got us six Super Bowls. And you know what? Bill Belichick didn't seem to want him, didn't really support him enough with on offense, didn't seem to value him. 
he went off to greener pastures. Tom, instead of being angry and hating you, thank you for the memories. It was a good run. You gave us more than any quarterback ever gave any other football team in history. We're not going to be mad at you. We're going to be thankful for what we got. And uh, that chapter with Tom Brady is now over in New England. But you can always be grateful for what was rather than angry that it's over. Now, I want to remind you of a moment in NBA history. After LeBron James left the Miami Heat and rejoined the Cleveland Cavaliers, we had a very interesting moment. LeBron referred to Dan Gilbert, the Cavaliers owner, as his business partner. So yeah, me and Dan Gilbert, we're business partners. I'm LeBron, the star basketball player. He's the owner. We work together. Not up, across. Different dynamic. Tom Brady going to the New England Patriots feels kind of like LeBron in that situation. Even An even better scenario is LeBron going to the Lakers. Where LeBron said, oh hey, I wanted an owner to collaborate with. And I wasn't going to get that in Cleveland because Dan Gilbert's an idiot. So I went to L.A., where ownership said, hey, LeBron, we love you. You're a brand. We're a brand. Let's, let's work together. Let's build something together. We'll give you what you need. So, and LeBron said, okay, it's the last stage of my career. And I'm going to go somewhere where my ownership values me. Tom Brady's the same way. Tom Brady, last stage of his career. He wants to go somewhere where he can collaborate with ownership. Collaborate with the coaches there. Where his input and feedback matters. Remember when LeBron James joined the Lakers, how bad they were? They were a bad roster with a young football team. There wasn't a plan in place when LeBron went to the Lakers. Now look where they are. They're number one in the West. Oh, Their plan quickly came to fruition because ownership wanted to take care of LeBron and give him the things he needed. When he signed, there wasn't a plan. There was just a promise. Hey, the Lakers are going to take care of you. We're going to get you help. Tom Brady's similar. Tom Brady's tired of not having help on offense, not having a great offensive line, not having playmakers, not having a great star receiver. And so wherever Tom Brady goes next, he is going to go somewhere where ownership and coaching and the coaches want to collaborate with him. Where the head coach says, hey, your opinion matters. And the owner says, hey, Tom, we're going to get you help. We're going to bring in people. We're going to fight for you. We're going to bring in winners to help you. So which team is most likely to win a championship with Tom Brady? Is it the Titans? Is it the Colts? Is it the Buccaneers? Maybe. I think the answer is Tom Brady's going to go to the Raiders. Tom Brady's going to go to the LA, the, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. That's weird to say. I'm not used to it yet. Remember, the Lakers were a bad team full of young players when LeBron went there. The Raiders are a mediocre team, a lot of young players. Tom Brady might go there with just the dream of, hey, it can get better. My ownership is going to make things happen. They're going to go all out. They're going to make trades. They're going to assign players. They're going to spend money. They're going to go get me help. Tom Brady to the Raiders would be exactly the same as LeBron to the Lakers. Tom Brady's a brand. The Raiders have a great brand. If a cool head coach, John Gruden. And the organization in Las Vegas would fight hard to get Tom Brady the help he deserves. That is what I think is going to happen with Tom Brady and his next move. Okay, 
there is a culture in America that tells you you are stuck in your situation. And I hate it. I hate it so much because the truth is that it's very, very rare that you will ever meet someone who's truly stuck. Even if their move away is a bad move, you always pretty much 99% of the time have an option. Unless you're in prison and you literally can't leave, you got a choice. You can do something else with your life. One of the best days of my life was the day that my parents got divorced. It was great. One of the happiest days of my life. My parents had a terrible marriage. It hurt everybody around them. Now they're separated. It's been a couple of years. They're happier. Their lives are better. Everybody's happier. The point is this. If you're in a bad situation, leave. Walk away. You don't need to put up with a bad situation. And everybody has this idea that, oh, leaving's bad. Don't, don't withdraw. Stupid. Yeah, and by the way, everybody has a bad day. I'm not saying leave immediately, but there's a Steve Jobs quote. I'm going to totally misquote him, but it's something to the effect of, if you wake up and too many days in a row, you're not excited about what you're doing, then make a change. If too many days in a row you wake up not feeling good about what you're doing, do something else. And I would go even farther to say that if you're in a bad situation and there's a better one out there, leave. Leave the bad relationship. Leave the job you only kind of like but isn't really fulfilling. Maybe you don't like the college you go to. Go to a better college. Maybe you want warm weather where you live. Go live in a warm city. Go live in Florida or California. You live in Buffalo and you're cold. Maybe you want cold and you live in Florida. You're like, I hate the sun. I want to go live in Buffalo. Do that. My point is don't settle for good or okay. Go get great. Go get the thing you actually want in life. So I really look up to and admire people who are not afraid to make changes in order to go get what they want. That leads us to Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer is a former NFL quarterback. He played for years with the Cincinnati Bengals. This is how Carson Palmer is remembered. He was a guy who was pretty good. Pretty good. Not a Hall of Famer, but pretty good. He never won enough in Cincinnati. And then, oh, at the end of his career, when he was past his prime, he's remembered as a guy who succeeded a little bit with the Arizona Cardinals. He lost an NFC Championship game. That's not bad. Now, there is more to Carson Palmer than the way he's remembered. There's a move he made in his career that is widely undervalued and underappreciated. There's a thing Carson Palmer did that nobody seems to appreciate. And I understand why people don't appreciate it. That's because in our culture, you're just supposed to stay put. You don't leave your hometown. You don't leave your bad marriage. You don't leave your job. That's dumb. You have a job. Why would you leave? You're supposed to deal with it. You're supposed to stay put. Leaving is naughty. You're not allowed to leave. Carson Palmer found himself in a bad situation with the Cincinnati Bengals. They drafted him number one overall. They were terrible and they got him. He was there for seven years and in his sixth season, second to last, by the way, made the playoffs. They went 10 and six. They won their division, by the way, made the playoffs. They lost. Carson Palmer got hurt in the playoff game against the Steelers. And, um, you know, for Carson Palmer, though, making the playoffs wasn't good enough. He said, man, we can do better. We can go farther. We can win a playoff game. We can go get a Super Bowl. He said, ownership, we need, our ownership needs to go spend money in free agency, go make a trade or two. Let's, let's do this. We're so close. Carson Palmer was all fired up. Let's go win a Super Bowl. We are right there. We're on the cusp. 
And uh, the Bengals' ownership wasn't willing to do that. The Bengals did not do what it took to win a championship. Now, they did sign Carson Palmer to a new contract. He signed it after being promised. The Bengals promised Carson Palmer that things were going to change in Cincinnati. That, you know, they would go get a general manager because the Browns have never had, excuse me, the Bengals have never had a general manager because the owner, Mike Brown, kind of works as, he oversees everything. He does hire our director of player personnel, Duke Tobin, who works kind of as a general manager, but there's no general manager in Cincinnati. Mike Brown has the final say. And to this day, by the way, the Bengals have never fulfilled their promise to Carson Palmer. They still do not have a general manager on staff. The Bengals lied to Carson Palmer. He was lied to. He was misled. I guess that's the same thing. And he was in a bad situation with ownership that didn't have the same vision as him. Wasn't headed in the same direction. Didn't want what he wanted. Here's the reality for the Bengals' ownership in Cincinnati. For them, making the playoffs was a successful season. It was enough. Good enough. We made good money this year. Fans are excited. They think we're going to change things and move ahead in the future. Ownership was satisfied. Just making the playoffs was enough. They didn't need to push more for a Super Bowl. They'd like to win a Super Bowl, sure. But everybody would like to win a Super Bowl. Were they willing to make necessary changes to try to actually spend the money to win a Super Bowl? No, they weren't. And the sad reality is that Cincinnati Bengals fans encourage that culture. The Bengals fans defend their team all the time saying, you know, well, we, we're a good organization because we make the playoffs. We've made the playoffs a couple times in the last 10 years. And they list a few seasons where they made the playoffs. And they're like, great. And, and what the sad reality is that for Bengals fans, apparently, simply making the playoffs is good enough as well. And good enough is shameful. Good enough is awful. Don't settle for good enough. It's good enough. Come on, man. Do better than that. Don't settle. Go get great. Go have the best possible experience you can. In Dallas, in Philadelphia, New York, Boston, the fan base would be furious. Yeah, we made the playoffs. We can't win a playoff game. Playoffs? I hear the sound bite. I hear it in a Boston accent. We can't win a play. I can't do a Boston accent. I'm terrible. But it'd be like, we can't even win a playoff game. Come on. <laughs> but Bengals fans are like, we made it. We made the playoffs. That's good. Woo. In Boston, they say, hey, hold up. You better win a playoff game. Or you don't get our support. People get fired. Jason Garrett got fired because he didn't win a playoff game. That's the different expectations between organizations. Jason Garrett made the playoffs multiple times, couldn't win a playoff game, got fired. The Bengals, if they make a playoff game, oh my gosh, it's a Super Bowl. That, that's good enough. Good enough. I hate that term. The last time the Bengals won a playoff game was in 1991. I looked it up. They beat the Houston Oilers. By the way, the Houston Oilers aren't a thing anymore. <laughs> they got moved to Tennessee. They're now the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. Houston Oilers aren't around anymore. The last time the Bengals won a playoff game, they did it against a team that no longer exists. So I believe Carson Palmer is misremembered or even underappreciated in NFL history. 
Because how many times do we see a big-name quarterback? I, I'm not going to name names, but how many times do you see a big-name quarterback sign a gigantic contract and then not win after that? They sign a big contract, they're, and it just feels kind of like they're cashing out. Sign a quarterback with a gigantic arm in Michigan, sign a contract. Matthew Stafford. I will name names. Matthew Stafford did this. Matthew Stafford decided to say, hey, I'll take a gigantic contract. I'll stay in Detroit with a crappy organization. I'll get paid lots of money to lose games. Fair enough, man. I I can't blame that, I guess. But Matthew Stafford has never said, hey, I want more. I want to go into championship. Matthew Stafford could have left Detroit and found a better organization to try to win a Super Bowl. But Matthew Stafford was content. He had good enough. Fine. Okay. Hey, making millions. Carson Palmer signed a massive contract. However, then he realized he'd been lied to by the Bengals. They refused to hire a general manager like they promised him they would. So Carson Palmer said, hey, either trade me or I'm going to retire. And he retired. He didn't play. Finally, the Bengals budged and traded him to Oakland. And it was weird. It's it's very, very weird to me that in, in the historical lens of the NFL, nobody appreciates what Carson Palmer did. In fact, people throw the contract in his face. They say, well, you signed a big contract. You didn't fulfill the contract. No, because Carson Palmer did something even more honorable. Carson Palmer said, screw the money. I don't want the money. I want to win a playoff game. I want to win. I'm tired of being good enough. I want to go get great. Carson Palmer is one of the more inspiring stories in NFL history because unlike the norm, unlike Matthew Stafford, unlike all the people in bad marriages that they hate, unlike all the people who settle, Carson Palmer said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to go get what I want, or at least at least pursue it. Carson Palmer never won a Super Bowl, but at least he tried. Has Matthew Stafford really, really gone for it? I think if Matthew Stafford really wanted to win a Super Bowl, he would have left Detroit a long time ago. He said, I'm content in Detroit. It's good enough. Maybe we'll win one. Maybe we won't. But I'm happy here. Nothing wrong with that. But Carson Palmer, the fact that he signed a gigantic contract and decided not to take the money, it wasn't about the money for Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer said, I've made enough money. I don't need more money. I want to win. I have goals for my career. I want to win a Super Bowl. He didn't, but he tried. He went after it. He made moves. He took control of his own life. He tried to go get what he wanted. He failed. He didn't quite make it in Arizona. But man, I I respect that story. It's so compelling. Carson Palmer was honorable. He wanted to win and did what he could. Most quarterbacks sell out. Carson put the money aside. I love it, man. I love it so much. I respect the pursuit. I'm going to try and go get great in life. In life, that's my philosophy. Don't settle. Go get what you really want. Good enough is not actually that great. Good enough is sad. It's a pitiful story. People say, oh, what I have is good enough. Well, are you really satisfied? Because it sounds like you want more, but you just settled. I don't understand people who stay in bad situations. I never will. If you don't like your lot in life, go make a change. You're not a victim. You're not stuck. And I so admire people like Carson Palmer who have guts to say, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go pursue what I really want. And honestly, I really do not understand Cincinnati Bengals fans. Cincinnati Bengals fans, in my opinion, 
or a bunch of people who've settled to be fans of a bad organization with a bad owner. Here's the thing about being a fan of a football team. All you can control is your choice to be a fan. The fact that Bengals fans still support Mike Brown, a horrible, horrific, awful owner, is sad to me. I love Cincinnati. It's one of my favorite. Actually, straight up, is my favorite city in America. I love it. I, I, it's, it's a beautiful city. Wonderful people that have great hearts. And it's heartbreaking to me that that city has a horrible NFL team with a bad owner. That hurts my soul. It's like, ah, it's crushing to me. It's sad. Because Cincinnati, the people there are wonderful. They deserve better. They deserve an owner that's willing to spend the money, that's willing to do what it takes, willing to hire a general manager, doesn't lie to his franchise quarterback, getting him to retire. And then when he does retire, saying it's his fault, not mine. Mike Brown is stubborn, egotistical. He refuses to change and do what it takes. Hasn't had a general manager in years. That's kind of weird, right? It's weird. Mike Brown is the problem in Cincinnati, and the people that enable him by supporting their football team are part of the problem. The people that go, well, we made the playoffs. Those are the people that say, it's good enough. We don't ever want to win a Super Bowl. It's good enough. I sound bitter. I'm not. I just, Mike Brown drives me nuts. Bad ownership, people that mismanage things and hurt people underneath them. Bengals fans have no control over their franchise. The only thing Bengals fans can control is their choice to go to games, buy jerseys, and support the team. And every time you buy a jersey, you're enabling Mike Brown, a bad owner who doesn't care. My whole point of the rant is this, man. Carson Palmer is so badly misremembered in NFL history. He's the guy who decided, hey, screw settling. I'm going to go for what I really want in life. I'm not Matthew Stafford. I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to go for it and do what I really, really want. At least try. At least try to win a Super Bowl because I know in Cincinnati it's not going to happen. I respect Carson Palmer with everything I have. And the more I dig into his story, the more he becomes one of my favorite NFL players of all time. Okay. um, I've heard a lot of people talk about XFL quarterback PJ Walker. They say, you know, they're like, ah, you know, he never quite made it in the NFL. He's had a shot before. I've talked about P.J. Walker. I've said, man, he's the best quarterback in the XFL period. He's 24 years old. He's a prospect. you got to look at P.J. Walker similar to the way you look at Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavaloa. He's a guy who you could bring in and develop into an NFL quarterback. And again, so many people have replied with, well, he already had his shot at the NFL, and he didn't make it. He didn't even play. It's like, well, uh, yeah, P.J. Walker was... Andrew Luck's backup. You think Andrew Luck's backup quarterback was ever going to actually have a chance to play? No, dude. Andrew Luck got all the reps, and he was a third-string quarterback behind Jacoby Brissett, who probably got whatever 10% of reps were left, they gave him to Jacoby Brissett. Philip Walker never did anything. He went to meetings and did footwork drills. He never had a shot. I don't know. It never made sense to me. And then people say, well, like, you can't compare the XFL to college. Yeah, I can. The XFL is actually a higher level of football than college football. It, there's more talent. Players are better with, hey, uh, more advanced systems. So in my opinion, very clearly, yeah, P.J. Walker deserves to be in the conversation with guys like Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. 
And does nobody understand that you can get better? The criticism of P.J. Walker, like, he was bad. He wasn't great. Did you watch him in the preseason? Yeah, that was two years ago. What is P.J. Walker doing today? It's so weird. P.J. Walker's a better quarterback today than when he was with the Colts. He's got a great arm talent. He throws a beautiful ball. He's got the best arm in the X-Fall. Those are really tight spiral. He's got great mechanics. And it is so weird to me that people are judging P.J. Walker based on his time with the Colts when that was the past rather than judging him on today, what we're seeing now, a better quarterback. What if you said, hey, well, Joe Burrow's really good in college football last year, but two years ago he was bad, so he must not be good now because he was bad two years ago. Joe Burrow got better. Does, do you not believe in progression? People don't just hit a ceiling. Unless you're lazy and don't work hard, nobody just stays static the same. P.J. Walker has a high ceiling as an athlete. He's going to keep getting better and better and better. And people that don't seem to understand progression make me sad. Do you, do you not get it? You can get better. You're not stuck. P.J. Walker's gotten better as a quarterback, and the fact that people don't acknowledge that or understand that is just baffling and weird to me. I judge P.J. Walker on the present. The time he's spending now with the Houston, Houston Roughnecks, probably going to win the NFL, excuse me, the XFL MVP. He's phenomenal. Judge P.J. Walker on what he's doing now. Don't judge P.J. Walker as if two years ago is today, because that doesn't make any sense. He's a better quarterback than he was. He's gotten better. He's progressed. By the way, the XFL is really good for the NFL. You know, part of why the media will not embrace, the rest of the media world, other than my show, the rest of the media will not embrace the XFL because they're afraid of the wrath of the NFL. People in the media, let me tell you, are afraid to make the NFL angry or it's either that or the other option is some people I think have such a, they're like former NFL players. Of course, their allegiance is to the NFL because, and the truth is they don't want the XFL because it's not the NFL. They're NFL fans. They're not just football fans. I'm a football fan. You put football in front of me, I'm happy. I love football, period. I don't care who, what league it is. But some people are NFL fans before they're football fans, and that's what's weird to me. But the reality is that the NFL is so happy that the XFL exists. They love it because it allows them to test ideas without having to do anything. It's like hands-off beta testing. For example, the NFL doesn't like kickoffs. Kickoffs are dangerous. Guys running 60 yards, full speed into each other and colliding. That's bad. The minute someone gets really badly hurt, it's all over. Like, oh, ooh, oh, crap. So what the XFL does is does it differently. It's safer. Guys are five yards apart. They're not running into each other full speed. And what the NFL can do is watch and see how that idea works. It's beta testing. They can gauge fan reactions to all the little changes. How do they react to the refs? Because the refs are live and you hear all their decision-making process live. Not to mention it's a tryout for players and coaches who potentially could move up to the NFL. Donald Parham is an incredible tight end. You wouldn't have heard of him unless he played in the XFL. Donald Parham's going to be an NFL tight end. But that's only possible because the XFL exists. There's no other place he could play football to showcase his talent. So secretly, you got to understand, secretly, the NFL loves that the XFL exists. And I got to say, by the way, covering the XFL is making me better at my job. It's been a really fun challenge because I'm the only person that seems to be talking about the XFL week to week following the storylines. 
you know, <laughs> you see this in the media all the time, especially right now. Every, you know, I, I actually am, am very proud. You know, we talked about Joe Burrow, how he should pull an Eli Manning. I talked about that like two months ago, a month ago, whatever. About two weeks ago, it became the big trend in the media where, you know, this guy says it. So, oh, that's trending on their page. We should say it too. That's how this time of year when there's not a lot of football stuff going on. A guy has a good idea over there and everybody copies that idea because oh, he's getting views. So let's copy that. And let's go get views as well. When you cover the XFL and you're the only person covering the XFL, there's nobody to copy. <laughs> For me, I have to come up with the story. I have to watch the games, figure out what are the stories and tell them. And that's been so fun. For me, it's my favorite thing because there's nobody to steal from. And you can't accuse me of stealing from because it's not possible. I never do, but now you know I never do because in the XFL, I'm literally coming up with shit and it's fun. I think I'm saying I too much. I don't mean to make this about me. It's just I want to share the experience that some people ask, why are you covering the XFL? It's been really good for me. I've been getting access. They're working with me. I'm learning a lot. One of my favorite storylines that I, I discovered and found was, you know, P.J. Walker, the best quarterback in the XFL, I thought of this and was really proud of it. I try to develop. I, I write notes heavily all the time, always trying to write and understand the angles and where what could happen. And, you know, Matt Rules, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Will the Panthers go after P.J. Walker? You think about it, Matt Rule recruited P.J. Walker to Temple when Matt Rule is the head coach at Temple. They worked together before. They built a program together before. Storylines like that make it fun for me. and I, I have had such a blast covering the XFL because it's been so different and such a, a kind of a challenge, but fun because I've never experienced a, a problem or a, um, how do we even put it, a, a challenge like this where there's nothing else to go off of. It's just me. I'll, let me tell you, I love it. It's so much fun. And so I, I appreciate the people that watch. Um, the XFL content doesn't get as many views as I would like, I'll be straight up. But for me, it's valuable because I'm still learning. I'm still growing as a broadcaster. It's been really fun. Uh, and I think it's making me better. I really do. And so to me, it's totally worth it and, and so much fun. So uh, I appreciate all the people that do watch it. It's a blast. I want to end the show today with this. It's an odd story. <clears throat> Both of the Carolina Hurricanes goalies got injured. This is an NHL team. And so what happened is that the Carolina Hurricanes had to turn to their emergency backup goalie, David Ains. He drives the Zamboni to, which is a, a thing that resurfaces ice, if you don't know hockey terms very well. He drives the Zamboni for an AHL developmental league hockey team. And so in that moment, when both goalies go down, Ains stepped up for the Hurricanes. In fact, he helped them get the win. He had multiple saves. He won the game for their team. A 42-year-old guy, the oldest goaltender ever to win a game, like he just came off the street. I think he got paid like 500 bucks for the game. He had to keep the game jersey. That was it. It's a weird, wacky story, man. It's like, this guy? It's so cool. David Ains, a guy who drives a Zamboni, played in an NHL game as a goalie, and he won. That's a story you'll only hear in hockey. Wild, cool, interesting. I don't know what to do with that story. I was just like, I got to talk about this a little bit because that's just crazy to me. What a bizarre Maybe I'll do a follow-up because I want to I hear more about that. Maybe I'll get him on the show. I don't know. But David Ains, what a bizarre, cool, awesome story that is. All right, guys, that's all I have. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I want to end the show this way. It's the way I end every single show by saying that uh, four years ago, my younger brother took his life, committed suicide, and it was awful, terrible. Um, and through that experience, I learned two really painful lessons. Number one is that 
uh, if you're struggling, please go get help. Don't suffer in silence. My brother never told anybody he was having a hard time. Uh, one day I came home, he was dead on the floor. And so I encourage you, talk to somebody in your life. You're, you're a counselor, or a teacher, or a professor. Talk to somebody, a friend, a, a parent, a family friend, a, one of your friend's parents. Go get help. Don't suffer in silence. Don't keep your problems a secret. Talk about them. Go get help. Now, if you have nobody to talk to, you, what you can do is call the Suicide Hotline. The Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. If you have nobody else to talk to, at least call the Suicide Hotline. The Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Now, the second lesson I learned that was really painful is that, um, you know, I encourage you to make sure that people in your life know how much you love them, how much you care about them, that you're there for them. My brother and I hung out constantly. We worked together, played football together, played Halo together. And, um, you know, I never did a good enough job making clear to my brother, hey, I love you. I'm here for you. I care about you. Our conversations were always very shallow about movies and sports and girls and video games and not about things that really had impact in our lives. And so I encourage you, uh, don't be like I was. Make sure the people in your life know you love them. Give them hugs. Make sure every moment is meaningful and they, you, you tell them how much the good moments mean to them. Like, hey, man, thanks for getting a drink with me. It was really cool. Or, you know, thanks for coming to the game with me. I, I love seeing you. You're a great dude. Uh, you're, you're valuable to me. And don't be afraid to have deeper conversations about more than just surface-level stuff. Uh, make sure the people in life know you love them. Don't be afraid to have surface-level Don't be afraid to have deeper conversations. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I got to get on a plane in a couple minutes. I really appreciate you. I love you. I really am so thankful you listen. And I hope you have a great day. Bam, we are